G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. In the late 18th century, William Wilberforce was converted. Almost single-handedly, he broke the shackles of slavery. People there were just totally different. We are looking at the footprint of God over the last 2,000 years. Since the Roman legion destroyed Jerusalem in the year 70 AD, the Jewish people have a nation of their own. And he said, well, no, Randy, we're not all just faking it. There is a living hope, and his name is Jesus. And I believe that that's really why you're here. Christ died for us. History Makers. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. And joining me right now is Daniel Mingo from Upper's Delight, which is a great ministry based in the States, connected to the Hope for Wholeness Network, who do an amazing work uh, reaching out to people and teaching about what the Bible says about sexuality and homosexuality. And uh, he's got a great testimony to share with us. Uh, Firstly, Daniel, tell us, what do you love about our nation, Australia? Have you enjoyed your visit here? I have loved it. My wife and I are just having a blast. It's been so great. Unfortunately, we have to leave um, tomorrow. (laughs) So, uh, but it has been wonderful. And by the way, thank you for having me on your program. Oh, it's great to have you today, mate. Now, I've heard your story, and uh, I just think so many people need to hear your testimony. Let's find a bit of your story. Where were you born and raised? Well, I was born in the United States in a state called New Jersey, which is about 45 minutes outside of New York City. Um, We moved to the state of Kentucky, about 750 miles away from there, going south, Uh, when I was four years old, and I was raised in a city in Kentucky called Lexington. Um, 28 years ago, my wife and I moved to another city in Kentucky called Louisville, and that's where I have the Abba's Delight ministry now. I've heard so much about Kentucky over the years. Apparently, they have really good fried chicken. Is that correct? (laughs) (laughs) You've heard about that. I've seen a few of those around here. (laughs) Wonderful. All right. Now, tell us a bit about your faith journey. Were you raised in a religious household? I was raised in a denomination that taught me the basics about the Christian faith, and I used to cry out to the Lord to, you know, change my life, because there were things about my life growing up that were difficult for me. And at age 17, I became a born-again, spirit-filled Christian, and, uh, but I had this conflict going on in my life where I found myself attracted to uh, the same gender. Um, I was attracted to guys. Um, Part of this had to do with having been molested by a stranger when I was 13, going into puberty. And and, uh, that became sexualized, and so my attractions have been primarily towards towards the same gender. Mm, Okay, so tell us a bit about your conversion experience. How did that happen? Well, I was in high school. I was uh, in my last year of high school, and there there was a revival going on at a nearby Bible college. And there were two brothers. Uh, One was a year ahead of me, who was a freshman at the college. The other brother was a year behind me, and he was still at my high school. And uh, the one who was in the college rededicated his life to the Lord. He was the son of an evangelist. He rededicated his life to the Lord, came and told his brother and a friend of his about his rededication. They, in turn, came and told a bunch of us one night in someone's living room. And that was the first time I had heard that 
that I could have a personal relationship with Jesus, and that um, it was the first time I'd heard a gospel message, that Jesus could come into my life and, and redeem me from my sins. So I jumped at the chance. And tell us a bit about the uh, the struggle you've had uh, over the years with uh, same-sex attraction. Uh, y- you got married at, uh, at some stage. Tell us about your relationship with your wife and, and how you've uh, struggled with this same-sex attraction over the years. Well, you know, in, in going into my born-again experience, one of the things that I had hoped was that God would take away the same-sex attractions, and that did not happen. And I would cry out to God to take them away. And one time I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Daniel, I cannot take this away from you because I did not give it to you. You need to surrender it to me because it is your choices that are making this to continue to go on. Mm. So while I did not choose the attractions, I did choose to act out on the attractions. So I had this conflict going on in my life, trying to live for the Lord. I grew up. Um, and especially after my born-again experience, knowing that I was supposed to be a husband and a father. It was just something I knew. It was a desire God had put in my heart. And so from the age of 18, I started looking for my wife. Um, I found her uh, when we were 30. We were both 30 at the time. We got married when we were 31. And uh, we've been married, it'll be 35 years this November. Going into that marriage, I did not tell her about my same-sex attractions. Um, so she did not know she was marrying a coward. Um, Ten years into the marriage and three sons later, uh, the Holy Spirit convicted me heavily about um, my, my infidelity to my wife because I had acted out and been unfaithful to her um, when I would go away on business trips. And she did not have any idea that was going on. So ten years into the marriage, I confessed um, that about my same-sex attractions. I told her about having been molested. I told her about what my life was like growing up and and not fitting into my gender, not feeling like I I belonged as a male and crying out to God to turn me into a female. I told her all of these things. But before I did, my pastor and I had prayed for some time that God would prepare her heart to hear it. And he did. Um, She was understanding. She was forgiving. Um, There were some bumps in the road where we had to make sure that Um, I did not bring home any kind of diseases, um, but God was faithful to us um, because my heart was to follow the Lord. Her heart was to remain in the marriage. Uh, Divorce was never an option for us because we knew the Lord had brought us together. Well, it's a wonderful testimony of uh, your wife, uh, you know, honoring the covenant of marriage and staying with you uh, after she heard that news. Um, Tell me what it was like um, you know, going like, did you go through counselling? You know, was it a regular part of your, your your conversation that you you talked about it regularly, or you know, how did you handle it? Well, for me, uh, there was never any part of me that wanted to embrace a gay lifestyle. I never wanted to be in a relationship with a guy. Um, I never wanted to embrace a gay life because I knew that was not God's plan for mankind's sexuality. Um, it's clearly biblical that that is not what his, what his intent was. So I wanted to look for help, and I realized at the time, I think through the, through the direction of the Holy Spirit, that I was dealing with a sexual addiction. Now, I'm not saying homosexuality is an addiction. What I am saying, though, is that, is that almost everybody who engages in, in homosexual behavior or who has adopted a gay life, there is either an addiction to the sexual act 
or there is an addiction to the unhealthy emotional attachments that um, uh, ones gather from person to person to person. And that can be addictive as well. So I went through the process of going through addiction recovery and continue that recovery to this day. That was 25 years ago that I started that journey. So let me just um, ask you this a bit about your identity. So, you know, a lot of people say they were born gay and that's the way they were made and they can't ever change because that's the way they were created. Uh, What's your response to that? I I think... The, the bottom line for me is that, is that for someone to believe they were born gay is a deception. There is no biblical evidence that anyone is born gay. The Bible says God created them male and female, and that a father shall leave, uh, a, a son shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife, and the two shall become one. And then Jesus, even though he never talked about homosexuality, the word, he did reinforce marriage between a man and a wife when he was asked about divorce in the New Testament. And so uh, that, that, is, that is our standard. Um, there is also no scientific evidence. There were theories that were proposed, many, many theories proposed back in the 90s um, that people were born gay, that there was a gay gene. But none of the studies that were ever done have ever been replicated. So there has never been any conclusive evidence that there is a gay gene or that there is any genetic component to cause someone to be homosexual. Um, In America, the American Psychological Association reversed their position on the gay gene theory probably at least a decade ago, but you never hear that in the mainstream media. Um, And then just within the last couple of years, they have acknowledged, although it's, it's not been publicized either, that they have no, found no connection to there being a genetic cause to to homosexuality, so I, I believe it to be a deception. Mm. It's uh, wonderful to hear your experience and your research on this as well. Uh, for us as Christians, um, we have to always be led by love. We always have to be caring, uh, you know, for the the last, the least, and the lost. The, the, the three things Jesus was always talking about, the last, the least, and the lost. And, you know, for those uh, that are struggling with their sexual identity, um, a lot of people think Christians are just out to judge them and attack them. Uh, but the reality is we, we, we're called to love. Um, what's your advice about how we as Christians uh, should be having conversations and caring for those who are confused about their sexual identity? You know, if we're talking about from an evangelistic perspective, um, it's it's been proven that the most effective evangelistic tools are building relationships with people and showing them the love of Christ. And for some reason as Christians, we want to point out other people's sins and I think that's a mistake when we're trying to win someone to the Lord. If we're, if we're showing the love of Christ and talking about God and our relationship with God, we never ever have to mention someone else's sin unless they bring it up. So my, my counsel to people who are, who are wondering about how do I reach the homosexual, my counsel to them is always don't let the homosexuality even be a point of discussion from from your initiation. Um, just love them because 
everyone's in need of a savior. You wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily go up to someone who has, uh, who, who engages in the, in the sin of gambling and say, you know, your, your, your gambling is going to send you to hell. That's, that's, that's not the way to reach someone for Christ. It's not an effective way. Um, we do need the truth of the word, but we need to use wisdom in when to use the word. Um, and, and so my counsel is usually don't let the homosexuality even be an issue unless it's brought up by the person themselves and then respond in a kind and loving way the way Jesus would. Um, there were many times when, when Jesus would uh, engage a person, um, and sometimes he would engage their sin, and, and a lot of times he didn't. A lot of times he would be sensitive to the Holy Spirit to see what their need was and, and meet that need, whether it be healing or casting out a demon or, or um, just speaking words of love to them. Uh, and, and that's what we need to do. We need to be sensitive to what the Lord would have us do in each and every situation. And tell us a bit about Abba's Delight Ministry. Um, how does that operate? I started Abba's Delight in 2008. Um, the Lord gave me the name um, Abba's Delight. Um, many people in the gay community or those who have walked away from a gay life and want to follow the Lord. Many believe that God doesn't love them, and unfortunately they, they got that idea from the Church. Um, uh, the Church, unfortunately, um, because of some, have the reputation that um, uh, God hates the homosexual. And that could not be any further from the truth. Um, God loves everyone. Um, I, I heard someone say um, this quote. I, I, I'm sorry, I can't tell you who said it. Um, but someone said, um, God's love is unconditional. His approval is not. And uh, he loves us no matter what. But just because he loves us doesn't mean he wants to leave us in our sin. He loves us too much to leave us in our sin. So whatever besetting sin we have, he wants to draw us out of that to follow him. And sometimes, uh, as, in Jesus, as in when Jesus said, um, if, if you want to be my disciple, you must uh, take up your die to yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Sometimes taking up our cross means giving up those sins that we want to hold on to. And uh, in, in order to follow him, we must lay those down. So in starting Abba's Delight, I wanted to have the name for the ministry that would speak to those who have felt unloved by God. And the fact is, we are his delight. The Lord gave me the scripture verse for the, for the uh, uh, ministry um, in Psalm 18, 19b. He rescued me because he delighted in me. And I think that's a perfect picture of how God sees us and, and how God sees the homosexual. He wants to draw us out of that. So Abba's Delight was started to be able to help those born-again believers who are troubled by unwanted same-gender attractions, that want to live a life of purity, that want to obey the Lord, but are having difficulty walking away from it. And that's what we help them do. Well, it's a wonderful testimony of uh, redemption and healing that you have uh, been through in your life. And let's pray that many people will be impacted by uh, your story and that God will open many more doors for you to share your story. It's very brave what you do. And uh, if people want to find out more, the website is abbasdelight.com and uh, they can find out there more about this uh, fantastic ministry. 
Um, I reckon you're history maker, Daniel. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. There you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. And you can find out about History Makers TV. We are a faith-based ministry and we appreciate every donation. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations of the world. If you'd like to partner with us, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater, and why don't you go and make history? History Makers. History Makers is proudly sponsored by Bible League, who serve the local church and other partners around the world by providing Bibles, scripture materials, and training to help people meet Jesus. They provide God's Word to a lost and needy world. Bible League plants Bibles in prisons, among persecuted Christians and in poor nations, bringing the love and light of Christ into many people's lives around the world. Make history today by joining our friends at Bible League and planting a Bible that will help someone meet Jesus. Go to bl.org.au. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.